0: aren't uh, reality show junkies like we are uh, but you know survivors started and uh, and I we, we got a flyer from Intercept, uh today from there uh, they're gonna be putting on a youth um, weekend coming up here after football and stuff is over I didn't catch the date of it, but I, I just caught the uh, who their speaker is going to f- be. Um, if you're watching uh, Survivor, if you're going to, um, it's on right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and but that's what you record things for. Uh, but there's a young lady that's that's in it. Um, she's a blonde and and. Uh, Nicole graduated from Rhema with her, and her name is Sunday. And anyway, she's the youth minister up at uh, Mac Hammond's church up in in Minneapolis. And so, if you get a chance to see it, uh, give it a a look. See, you know. And so, and, you know, she is blonde. <laughs> and uh, you know, as many of you know, I generally watch. Uh, Um, Joe Osteen on Sunday morning. And, and he always starts his program with a joke, you know. And, and so this, this week he got a lot of truth into his joke. But he's talking about this guy walked into this restaurant, and he sat down, he sat next to this girl, and says, You want to hear a blonde joke? And she says, Well, before you tell it, you need to understand I'm blonde. I'm six foot two, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder. And sitting next to me is a young lady that's blonde. She's six foot three, and she's a professional wrestler. <laughs> and sitting next to her is a young lady that's blonde. She's six foot five, and she's a world champion kickbox kick fighter. So are you sure you want to tell us a blonde joke? The guy thought for a moment. He says, well, I guess not. I don't want to have to explain it three times. (laughs) 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 So anyway, everybody say we love you, Pastor Dave. Okay, uh, we're going to finish up our lesson from last week. And so... uh, um, uh, so the, the one sheet that you have, um, Roman numeral whatever, um, four. And, and so we're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week and uh, hopefully get through it and our lesson from tonight. And so in Colossians, uh, the first chapter and the 16th verse. It says, "For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him." And so <clears throat> we we were talking, we ended up last week talking about how, you know, the different attributes of Jesus and so forth that he had three pri- primary roles. He was, he was Savior. He was our mediator. Uh, he's our priest. Um, you know, and the scripture talks about how he was the son of David, that it was prophesied that he would be the son of David and so forth. But then let's look at that, that 16th verse and let's look at, uh, in your notes, I've got the, the literal translation of it, which includes um, some of the Greek words and so forth, and it says for by, oti, because of or by means of, and so for by or because of by means of him, all things were created, and so it's through Jesus that all things were created. In the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and Word was God. And Word became flesh. Genesis, we talked about that how um, the Word was spoken. The worlds were created out of the spoken word. Um, Him, all things were created, uh, quetzal, or formed, shaped, received creation. Um, In other words, it's a passive voice. that received creation. That are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. And so... All of creation was created by the spoken word. Here it talks about the visible. The visible is the world. The invisible is the, is the heavens. And so Jesus, the spoken word, created all of those things. Um, it talks about uh, thrones and dominions. It's talking about um, the visible once again. And then it talks about principalities and powers. And that's talking about the invisible. Now the significance of this is that later on we see that all authority has been given unto us over all crea- all of creation. So we have authority over the visible and the invisible. And so the visible, where it's talking about thrones, it's come from the word thros. And this is government system that we see operating every day in nation states. So that thrones is talking about the government systems. Dominions is talking about the people that sit on those thrones, or those individuals that are in authority, those individuals that are in control. It's the actual people that are being talked about. Then it says, it talks about the invisible, and talks about principalities, arche. And so that's talking about the uh, demon rulers that control, um, the world system, I made reference to it last week, that I'm more convinced than ever that, uh, uh, of demonic influences uh, because human beings wouldn't treat other human beings the, the way that they do unless it was something, some other force that was involved in it. And I'm convinced that it's demonic forces. And so, you know, it seems like everything's out of control. And the reason everything seems to be out of control is because it is. And uh, Satan is the author of chaos. And so we look at the world, we see the world in, in utter chaos, and it's because of demonic influence. But what we need to understand is that that doesn't have to dominate and control our lives. In fact, we're the ones that have the authority uh, to deal with those things. And then it's in dominions, kratos, and, and these are the... Um, our powers, exios. Uh, these are the beings. It includes Satan. Includes uh, all of the demonic entities that uh, he rules over. But they have no authority over us. And so, <clears throat> there in G, it talks about how in Colossians one sixteen and in Hebrews one that they're they're parallel scriptures, um, from the standpoint they're, they're making, they're talking about the same thing. Listen to this in, in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1, it says, God, who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So Jesus is heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who be in the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholds all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged all sin, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So this this is Jesus whom we serve. But all authority has been given him. He's, he's defeated the enemy. And we're going to talk about this um, some more as we go along here in these passages. But the Bible talks over and over that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And so the authority that Jesus carries, we carry in our lives as well. I just wanted to look at, at some, what I consider to be some key phrases as we go through this, because I think a lot of times we, uh, we, we use words, but we, don't, we really don't understand what they're talking about. Or what we do is we use um, to interpret those words uh, what we've learned from the world, rather than looking at what the, the biblical meaning of the words are. And, and so one of those words that I want to look at is, is the word election. It talks about Scripture talks about who, how uh, we are the elect in the Lord. Election is the expression of the sovereignty of God before the human race, the universe, and anything else that exists ex- except God. In other words, before anything else, God operated in election. Election means He gets to choose. You know, and so. Election, you know, it's just we're going to be looking at predestination. I don't know if we'll get at it tonight or not. But we're going to be looking at predestination. And people have all these weird concepts of predestination. You go to some churches and they believe that there are individuals that are predestined to be saved and other people are predestined to be damned. That that's God's plan for them to be damned. (laughs) Well, that goes totally contrary to what the the word predestination really means uh, because the word predestination in its simplest form, and I'm not getting into the whole definition because we're going to cover it later, but it's talking about being predetermined. That's basically what predestination means. And it's been predetermined or predestined for all men to be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, the, the, the thing about it is, is just because God has predetermined that that's his will for every man, woman, and child, that doesn't mean that every man, woman, and child is saved. Because there's those that choose not to be saved. There's chose, those that choose something else. There's those that have bought the lie that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe Something. Let me tell you something, it matters what you believe. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father but through Him. And people say, but Pastor, that's extremely narrow-minded. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And so we have a choice. Do we take the narrow way or we take the broad way? What you're going to hear about here is the narrow way. Because I believe that the narrow way is the only way that leads to eternal life. And that's putting our trust in Jesus. Election is also the expression of God's will for mankind before, well before anything existed. And so before anything existed, God existed. And so he was in a position uh, to uh, set things in order. Um, Grace's provision, I I like this terminology, predestination, is the provision of the sovereignty of God for mankind in eternal past to execute God's plan, purpose, and will. Well, what's God's plan, purpose, and will? Was to have fellowship with man. He knew that man was going to fall. So before he created man, the Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. And we look at that in our fleshly thinking and we think, that doesn't make any sense. But see, in the heart and the mind of God, it had already taken place. Before man ever ever fell, God had a a solution. I don't know about you, I find peace, I find assurance in this. Because what this tells me is whatever difficulty I go through in life, God always has a mean, already has a means of escape. He always has a plan that preceded the problem, to get me out of the problem. Now, some people look at me and they'll say, well, Pastor Dave, you're extremely naive. Well, <laughs> I'm very happy being naive. You know, don't, 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 don't educate me. You know, because um, it, it's worked for 40-some years of my life knowing that no matter what the difficulty was in life, that God had a plan, He had a purpose for me. The problem that we encounter is we don't know what He's made available to us because we don't don't go to the Word. We don't go to the the plan that He's put in a book so that we can look at it and see what His will, His purpose, His plan for each and every one of us is. You know, and so that's why... We emphasize all the time the importance and the significance of spending time in the Word of God because it's the only way that we we, we find out what God's plan and purpose is because this spells it out. It reveals to us what God's plan and purpose is for humanity. And so as long as we're, we're sucking air, we're part of that. And so predestination, is the grace provision of god the father for the royal family that's talking about us as born again christians we are the royal family and as we go down here there's a whole lot of scriptures here and so um once again you're gonna have to look them up for yourself because we don't have time to uh, read all of it eternity past christ was predestined in eternity past. And one of the scriptures is talking about him being crucified for the, since the foundation of the world. Remember, eternity isn't just never-ending future. Eternity goes back. It's a never-ending past. And that's where our God is in eternity past or was in eternity past through predestination and through election said everything in, in motion. Um, destiny. Uh, the, the believer shares the destiny of Jesus. Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. He's seated. The reason that he's seated, it indicates that he's completed the work. You know a lot of times people are are saying I, I just wish God would do something. I wish Jesus would do something. He has. You know, the problem is, is oftentimes we don't know what he's, what he's done for us. And so, positionally, right now, as born-again believers, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're, and the reason I bring that up now, because in the weeks ahead of us, we're going to be talking a lot, a lot about the difference between uh, where we are positionally and where we are experientially. Positionally, we're seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. After the rapture, experientially, we'll be in heaven with Jesus at the right hand of Father God on high. You know, but right now, even though we're, we're here on this earth, positionally, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And the importance of that is for us to realize the authority that we have, that we carry, because we're in Christ Jesus right now. Not in the sweet by and by, we're in Christ Jesus right now. And so we have have the same destiny to spend all of eternity with him. Um, The unbeliever is not predestined for hell. It's, It's the choice that they make when they choose not to believe the truth. God has not predestined them to spend all of eternity. Once again, because of what the scripture says, he said it's his will for all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And so if his will for all to be saved, then he could not have possibly predestined anybody or purposed anybody to go to hell. Uh, It's the consequence of sin. It's the consequence of not receiving what he's done for them. And then we just want to focus for just a moment here on predestination. The Greek Greek word for predestination is prosa, and it means uh, pre-design. So it's talking about the pre-design of God. And uh, real quickly, you know, you've got them in your notes so you can read them for yourself. Uh, But... Under predestination in the last portion there, what it's talking about um, the examples of predestination. Um, The crucifixion of Christ was predetermined before the foundation of the world. Um, Victory for believers um, during suffering. You know, in Proverbs it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. And so we're free from, we have victory over that. Um, provision for believers uh, in time of eternity. In other words, He's, he's made a way for us, and that, that way is to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved, and we'll spend all of eternity with Him. Um, grace for propitiation. Jesus was our propitiation. Jesus was the one who, who shed his blood, gave his life so that we could have victory and the abundant life. Um, the believer's life, that was predetermined. Uh, the life and work of Jesus, predetermined, predestined. Um, everything that's necessary for life and victory have been provided for each and every one of us Uh, through the blood of Jesus. Oh, why are you doing this to me now? Quit it. (laughs) And so now we're going to go ahead and we'll go to our, our new lesson, if I can find it. What is that, number five? So we want to start talking about the sustaining power of Christ. He's our sustainer. We can't do it in our own strength and our own ability. We need Him to sustain us. And so in verse 17 in Colossians 1 it says and He is before all things and in Him all things consist. He's before all things, and in him all things consist. Um, taking that from the literal, it says, and he is, in the Greek is, am I, to be, to exist, to be present before all things. Now, what this means is, he's before all things, before anything, he was. It is. And in him all things consist. You know, in, in, uh, in Hebrews it says all of creation is he- upheld by him, by Jesus. And so all things are sustained by him. And so Jesus, or Christ, is the, the sustainer of the universe. And that's why the moment that you take Jesus out of the scenario, everything begins to deteriorate. Everything begins to deteriorate the moment that that Jesus is taken out of the picture. You know, he created all things, he sustains all things. um, And so we put our our trust and our confidence in him. Christ holds the universe together. Now get this, for the sake of the church. It's for you and me for the body of Christ. Uh, That's what what creation was made for. Isn't it an interesting thing that God created everything and the last thing that he created was man. And so basically what he did was he, he created everything in preparation for man, for you and I. You know, Adam was supposed to he was supposed to rule. He was to oversee all of creation. But instead, he, he sold out. And, and so creation was for man. You know, God didn't need it. But man needed it. And, and so it was created for, for you and I. And it's, it's sustained for you and I. When, uh, when God's work is complete, when every last soul is saved that's going to be saved um this this place is going to it's going to burn up it's going to be nothing but ash there'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth Uh, because this is here for us he sustains it so that in the natural realm it can it can sustain us but it's it's for the sake of the church you know Now, don't don't throw anything at me until I get done saying what I'm saying. You know, but science laws really don't exist. Because you really can't have a law unless you're able to enforce it. And, And man is not able to enforce the laws of man or the laws of nature, what we call science and so forth. Now, I'm not putting down science, but what I'm saying is this, because God can intervene and and he can override anything that we look upon as being a law of science. You know, uh, we have Examples in the, in the scripture of people being translated. They're, they're taken from one place to another. And they don't have any benefit of an aircraft or anything else. You know, God is able to, uh, to override those laws. Uh, if, if you've ever been in a, in a situation where you were on the, uh, on the verge of an accident or, or whatever it may be, um, and there were, there were natural laws that were interrupted or what we call natural laws because the supernatural law of God supersedes it. And, and besides that, there's no way to enforce natural laws. But when we begin to talk about spiritual laws, God is the enforcer of it. And so he can enforce all of those laws. You know, I, I always use the law of gravity. You know, I talk about how, you know, whether you, you believe in the law of gravity or not, um, if you walk off the edge of the building, you're going to, you know, you, you can say you don't believe it, um, but you're going to hit the ground. But on the other side of it, God could intervene, and he could override that law. Because the supernatural supersedes or overrides the natural. And so um, science then makes assumptions. You know, we talk about creation and, you know, and, and most of those topics I really don't care that much about, you know, because they're the, the best that they can do is produce uh, argumentative attitudes and so forth. But see, um, science makes the assumption that certain things had to take place. But see, God can do it with a word. God can do it with a word. And so, um, what we do oftentimes, what man has tried to do, is they've tried to make the word line up with science. And at that point, we've got it backwards. Because what has to happen is science has to line up with the word. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is is when we really give the word its proper place, uh, it accomplishes that end. And then in verse 18, it begins to talk about Christ the head. and He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And so, looking at it again in your notes from the literal translation, and he, Jesus, is, am I, it means to be, to exist, to to be present. Jesus is. Jesus exists. Jesus is present. The head, kephal, the supreme rank. It's talking about rank. He is the supreme rank of the body, sunai, the church, ecclesia, who is the beginning, the firstborn, protokos, from ek. Out from the dead. He is the first out from the dead. You know, and, and the significance of that is if there's a first, there's a second, there's a third, there's a fourth. He's the head, we're the body. He's the number one rank, we're the church. That in all things, he may have preeminence, totuo, the highest rank. That in all things, he may have the highest rank. That's what, that's the position that Jesus carries. Even, you know, we, we talked, with the last week or the week before, we talked about the Trinity and so forth. Even within the Trinity, they've given Jesus, even though they're equal, Jesus has been given preeminence, you know, because... It was given unto Jesus to judge. The Father said, Jesus is going to judge. Jesus says, I don't want to judge you. I'm the Word. Judge yourself according to the Word, the highest rank. And so when we look to the Word of God and we accept the Word of God and we believe the Word of God, we're already been judged. We don't have to worry about being judged again because we've judged ourselves according to the Word. The, read, uh, the Word uh, Tip hole for head is used in many New Testament passages to refer to the highest rank, and you can look those passages up for yourself. It'll be talking about somebody who is the highest rank, is talking about that position. Jesus is in that position of the highest rank. The head of the church is in heaven, the body of the church is on earth. The head of the church is Jesus. He's in heaven. We're the body of Christ, the church here on earth. Now, if a body's functioning correctly, even a physical body, if it's functioning correctly, it's receiving proper wavelengths or messages from the brain to tell the body what to do. You know, if there's a, a severe injury or accident and, and that's damaged in any way, oftentimes a person will lose um, part of their abilities. You know, because there's, there's, there's miscommunication or the communication isn't getting through. Well, you know, the same thing is true for, for us as the body of Christ, as the church. If we're not hearing from the Spirit, because that's the voice that He uses to speak into our life today, but if we're not hearing from Him, we can be off doing things that we ought not to be doing. You know, He, he wants to warn us. You know, I, I've, most of you have heard me share this before, but when I was in Bible school, in a period of about a year, Aaron had um, three different accidents that we had to take taken to the hospital. And uh, I couldn't figure it out. You know, because we were getting a hold of healing right during this time. And, and I'm thinking, here we are, we're getting a hold of healing and we got all these trips to the hospital. But then I began to look at them and none of them had to do with sickness and disease. Every one of them had to do with an accident. And so, <clears throat> The first one was Aaron, you know, was always out doing stuff he wasn't supposed to do. And anyway, Rachel was a baby. And so Becky was nursing her one day and looked out the window. And here Aaron was out on the street with um, Jeff and Nicole riding his bike on the street. And she said, the thought came to me. You need to get him in. He's He's too little to be doing that. You know, but she was busy at the moment. Well, a few minutes later, here Aaron comes in and he had cut his lip completely in half. And so we took him to the hospital and they had to sew it up. You know, about six months later, it's in the winter, Aaron's sledding with his little friend of his, um, Denison and boy. And they're going down the hill and Aaron catches a stick in his forehead and takes it down to the, to the bone and they had to take him to the doctor and they had to sew it up. And the little boy told his dad later on, he says, you know, dad, I saw that stick, because he was a spirit for a little boy. He said, I saw that stick there, and I thought, you ought to move that. And I didn't do it, and the next time down the hill, Aaron did that to his head. So about six months later, I'm out mowing the lawn, and as I'm mowing the lawn, I'm, I'm, I'm walking by, and Aaron and a friend of his are up in this little tree we had in the front yard, and the branches weren't very strong and stuff, and I thought, you know what, I, I need to get him out of there, because that's that's not safe for them to be up there. And, of course, I'm mowing the lawn. You know, and so it would have been inconvenient to stop and walk over there when I can just go to the end, turn around, and come back and run. I'm coming by, say, get out of the tree. <laughs> you know, so, uh, uh, so I, I didn't do anything about it. And so as I'm turning around, I watch Aaron fall out of the tree. And he breaks his elbow, and he has to have two pins in him. Of course, we take him to the doctor. And by this time, the doctor's Saying to him when we're out of the room, so what does your daddy do to you when nobody's around? You know, and legitimately. You know, but, but the point is, and this is what he, what he showed me, is you gotta, you got to listen to my voice. Because I, I know the beginning from the end. I can tell you. You know, and, and oftentimes he may not be specific about it, he might just simply say, don't go this way and, and you go that way anyway because it's the short, shortest way to go. And then, then something happens and then we, you know, why does it always happen to me? Because he don't listen. You know, but so we need to learn to listen to the voice because he's the head. We're the body. He doesn't make us do anything. Don't you wish he did? Yes. I tell you, I, I just wish he had just Make me do it. But he he won't do that. You know, because if he did that, we would be be nothing more than a robot. And if we're a robot, we, we serve God, we worship God, because we have no choice. But he created us with choice. He created us with a free will. We can choose not to serve God. We can choose to go to hell if we want to, and he won't stop us. He'll do everything he can to influence us so that we make the right choices, but ultimately, we choose. And sometimes we're not very happy about it, but that's how it is. He's the head. We are the body. And so we need to learn to follow his leading, his direction in our lives. Um... I'm not going to go through it. The word church, and most people are familiar with it, it's ekklesia in in the Greek. Uh, but it's I've got a list of some different ways that it's used within the Scripture. It isn't always talking about a, a a group of believers, but that's the primary purpose of it. But there there's some as you go through the Scriptures, you see some synonyms for Christ and the church. You know, and, but I wanna just read through those. Um, last Adam and the new creation. Jesus is the last Adam and it's the new creation. We're the new creation in Christ Jesus. The head and the body, we've already talked about that. The shepherd and the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd as this talks in, in John uh, the 10th chapter. He's the good shepherd. We're the sheep. And so he wants to protect us. The vine and the branch. It talks about how the branch cannot sustain itself once it's disconnected from the vine. And so we get our nutrients from the vine and how it, how it works together. But, but every one of these examples show us another way that, the, um, that Jesus is the head and we as the body function Together, and how we are dependent upon Him. Uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We're the living stones. You know, we, we make up that building. The high priest is Jesus, and we are all part of the royal priesthood. You know, He's King of kings and lords of lords. But the Bible also says that we're kings and we're lords or priests. But He's the highest ranked. And so we listen to him and we follow his direction. Right now where we are, we are in what is known as the church age. You know, the dispensation. Dispensation is a term that's used just simply to describe a a period of time. And so from the time of of Pentecost until the rapture of the church, that's known as, as the church age. You know, there's, um, again, certain churches, believers, that believe that certain things have, that, that began in the church age have now passed away. You know, tongues, for example. They say it's no longer for today. It, it passed away with the last of the, uh, the apostles and so forth. Well, it's not going to pass away until the end of the church age, which is when the church is taken out. When the body of Christ is received in the air and we, we, we meet the Lord in the air. And the reason that people oftentimes have difficulty with this is because they, they say, well, you can't find it in the Old Testament. Well, they're absolutely correct. It's because it wasn't in the Old Testament. It's referred to as, as the mystery. And the mystery, I think we talked about this a while back too, but the mystery is... You know when we think of a mystery we think of something that's hidden from but when you're talking biblically scripturally the mystery isn't something that was hidden from it was something that was hidden for it was hidden for the church to be revealed to the church because you don't you don't find the body of Christ in the Old Testament you don't find the church in the Old Testament why because it was hidden for us. And that's why Colossians, what we're studying right now, but that's why uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, why those books are so important to us. Because it's in those books where the mystery is revealed by revelation through the Apostle Paul and, and, and some through others, but mainly through the Apostle Paul. And so it began on Pentecost and it'll be terminated at the rapture. Okay, so what's some of the unique elements of the church age? The new birth? The Old Testament saints weren't, weren't, they, they weren't born again. They looked forward to the coming of Jesus but they weren't born again. They couldn't, the, the price hasn't, hadn't been paid for them. We're part of the church age and so we're able to get born again. Our, our sins are completely washed away. And so, the new birth. Um, The universal indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the universal indwelling of Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, when when the Holy Spirit would move in a situation, it would say the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Didn't come into them, it would come upon them. And they would be able to function in a particular role. But it was just for that Particular time that particular event that the Holy Spirit came upon them. You know, it's like Elijah when he outran the horses. You know, and uh, but he only did it one time. this was when the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he had other miracles. Elijah and Elisha, they had miracles in their life, but it wasn't that they could just do it any time. It was as the Spirit would come upon them. We have the Holy Spirit within us. You know. <clears throat> but this is, this is what it leads to. If you don't rightly divide. The word of truth. If you don't rightly recognize. The dispensations and the place where we are right now. When I was in Bible school. I was sitting in a class. And uh, we were talking about healing. And. Uh, one of the intellectuals made this statement. He said, uh, well, if we're going to pray for people before you pray for them, you've gotta pray and ask if it's God's will to heal them. And I said, well, then what you're telling me is if I have a prayer line and I'm gonna pray for somebody before I pray for them, I've got to ask God, do you want me to pray for them? And he said, yeah. You know, and I was just dumbfounded. You know, because nowhere in the scripture does it say, pray to see if it's my will for you to lay hands on the sick and see them whole. The command was, the command, And it's a command to believers, to believing ones. The command is, ye shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You shall cast out devils. You shall speak with other tongues. If you drink anything deadly, it shall not harm you. I mean, it's all in the name of Jesus. But it wasn't, you know, first find out if it's my will, because this is my will. And so once we know what the will of God is, you know, we spend all this time trying to figure out what God's will is, and it's right here. It's His will. And so, I'll be honest with you. When I've had a prayer line, or if somebody's come up to me, and they've asked me to pray for them, I've never prayed, Lord, do you want to heal them? Because it's will, His will to heal them. only had one time where we he pulled me up short I was about to pray for somebody this individual had been up for this particular issue I don't know how many times to be prayed for and you know what I believe you pray for something until you get the answer thank you for that rousing amen you know you know, But where, where it says, keep on praying, keep on seeking, it's, it says, keep on. Now, you don't always pray the same way. If you've prayed in faith, believing for something, then you begin to thank Him that you have it because it belongs to you because, through Jesus Christ. But, but this individual came forward again, and I prayed for this particular... It wasn't a sickness or disease, it was something else. And they, they came up to have me pray for him again. And, and so I was going to pray for him. And I had my hands right about here. And their head was right about there. And I was just about ready to put my hands on them. And the Holy Ghost says, don't touch them. And I, whoa. I, I don't think I did that. But I, I did that on the inside. You understand? You know, I'm, I'm showing you the invisible. And, and he says, don't, don't pray for them. You tell them they already have it. It's time for them to start to walk in it. Oh, I knew that was going to go over like a lead balloon. <clears throat> but I, I told him. And it went over like a lead balloon. You know. But, but, but see, the thing is, is, that wasn't about sickness. It was about something else. We don't have to pray. You don't have to pray and ask if it's God's will to heal somebody. Because it's His will. It's His will to heal them. Jesus, Jesus paid the price. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was to carry out the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was for every man, woman, and child to experience sozo. Sozo is the Greek word for salvation, and it's an all-inclusive term. It not only means that you're going to go to heaven when you die, but it's prosperity, it's healing, it's deliverance, it's all included. That word sozo is all-inclusive for all of those things. And so when Jesus purchased sozo for humanity, it was all of those things included within it. Um, Universal priesthood, I got to get going here. I really thought maybe I'd get caught up tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, Oh, no, we're not close. Um, Every believer represents Christ in his full-time Christian service. You say, well, I guess that excludes me. I'm not in full-time Christian service. Well, yes, you are. Your job, your real job, your, is to serve him. And so... That may be at your work. That may be whatever it may be. But all of us, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation. And that is in a position that we step into just when it's convenient or I have spare time. We walk in that all the time. Uh, A supernatural way of life. This This is for the church age. A supernatural way of life. Being led by the Holy Spirit. That's what I was talking about with the accidents with Aaron. That's what I wasn't doing. It was available to me, but I wasn't walking in it. That's available to each and every one of us if we choose to, to hear his voice. But we say, but pastor, I just, I just don't hear his voice. Yes, you do. He says, my, my sheep, remember, shepherd, sheep. My sheep hear my voice. We know his voice. The problem is, is we don't listen. Now, maybe we've heard his voice and we've we've ignored it so that we don't recognize it. But we need to learn to listen for that voice so, so that we learn to hear that voice, listen to that voice, follow that voice. I don't know why. I'm kind of into, you know, back in Bible school right now. But, you know, when I was going to Christian Outreach School of Ministries, when I was in Bible school, you know, we moved down there. I had, we had four kids and, and uh, I got a job right away working for a, a plumber, John's Plumbing and Heating out of uh, Arnold, Missouri. And so I was working 40 to 50 hours uh, for John and then uh, three nights a week um, with school. Uh, one night a week we had to go to cell group um, Saturday mornings, we, we had to put in every week at least four hours of outreach ministry. And uh, then church took up two-thirds of the day. You think, I'm long-winded. You should have been down there. You know, one time when we had to turn the clocks, we turned it, to the, turned it the wrong direction. So we didn't get to church an hour late. We got to church two hours late. And I was still there for 45 minutes of the sermon, you know, and I'm not exaggerating. You know, but, but anyway, so my life was chaos. You know, and, and in the midst of it, I'm still trying to be a, a father and a husband to some extent. And, 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 and so I sat down with my one instructor. His, uh, Worley was his name. He was a four-square pastor. And I said, the greatest need that I have in my life. And I said, I'm really not trying to get out of anything. But I said, the greatest need that I have in my life is I don't have time to pray. And I said, this is what I would like to do and this is what I'll do for you. If you will allow my prayer life to be my outreach ministry, I will lock myself in our bedroom For four hours on Saturday. And I will pray. But I said. That's the greatest need that I have in my life. And he he looks at me. and He says. I tell you what. We'll do that. Under two conditions. It's okay. Said condition number one. You can't tell anybody. That I'm letting you do this. And number two. He says, I want you to sit down and I want you to pray. And after you've prayed for 45 minutes or an hour in English and in tongues, I want you to be quiet. And I want you to listen for the voice of God. And I want you to write down what He speaks to you. And I want you to put it in a notebook. And at the end of the semester, I want you to give it to me and I want to read it. And I said, I felt pretty safe because nobody can read my writing, you know, but, but I says, yeah, I'll do it. You know, that probably had one of the greatest impacts upon my life because I think I'd heard the voice of God before, but I began to write things down and the thing that I began to realize that there were things that I wrote into that notebook that I saw come to pass 10, 15, 20 years later that he had spoken to my heart in my bedroom down in Hillsboro, Missouri you know 37 years ago. It's important for us to learn to hear his voice but you know what? What it showed me was it takes effort on my part to be willing, to to be quiet, to listen to him. And so, a supernatural way. Remember, this is of the church age, unique to the church age. A supernatural way of life. You ever read through the Old Testament? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Holy moly. I got in trouble last week because I ran late, so I got to quit. I can't believe this. This is so frustrating. What was I gonna say? Oh, you know, in the Old Testament, we saw, you you see all these people having dreams and visions. Well, they didn't hear the voice of God. We think, if I could only have a dream, if I could only have an open vision. Why? If I could only have an angel speak to me, why? You have the Holy Ghost with you 24-7. And then the last thing in that line, the Word of God revealed to all believers. To everybody, the Word of God is available to everybody. And so you're blessed. Go in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and give your kids a hug.